The following podcast is a Dear Media production. This is Being Bumo, a podcast for the modern parent that wants to be the best version of themselves while being the best parents they can be for their kids. We'll be spotlighting parents and experts who are not only inspiring, but also willing to share with us how it really is. Because as we all know, parenting can be equally as rewarding as it is challenging. We're here to make your life easier, a little less stressful, and help you navigate through this complex thing called parenting. Have you ever felt so overwhelmingly busy and have wondered how does everyone else do it so seamlessly? Well, today's episode is about how to get shit done. And I thought I'd invite my friend Hillary Kerr on here. Hillary is one busy mama, but she does not use her busyness as an excuse. Hillary Kerr is a pioneer in the digital space as she has founded a brand and website that defines our generation of consuming fashion, beauty, lifestyle content, which is who, what, where. If you're anything like me, you're on that site, not only weekly, but daily. Hillary serves as a chief content officer and co-founder for Who, What, Wear. Hillary and her co-founder, Catherine Power, founded Who, What, Wear back in 2006 with the ambitious idea to reimagine how women consume content and shop for products online. Since then, they have revolutionized the digital landscape and have launched many other successful businesses, such as their fashion line, which is Who, What, Wear collection, and their beauty line, Versed. Also, Hillary has two podcasts of her own. The first one is called Second Life, such an amazing and inspiring podcast. And the second one is Who Will Wear podcast with Hillary Kerr. On top of that, she is a mom of two. So today I sat down with her and I got to ask her all the things I personally been wanting to ask her. And that is how she gets all that she needs to get done on a given day, how she organizes her day, what her most used apps are, some parenting and working tips, tricks, and hacks. And you're going to find this conversation so inspiring and really just breathtakingly honest. And you're going to take away some really valuable tips. At least I did. So with that said, here is our conversation. Hillary, welcome to Being Bumo. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here and just so excited to see your lovely face. Uh, same. I love, I mean, I wish you guys could see how gorgeous Hillary looks with her whole <laughs> outfit and her makeup, <laughs> but this is audio. So um, I'm excited to be chatting with you because you and I have known each other for a very, very long time. I feel like from the beginning days of Who, What, Where and the beginning days of my career. So I want to unpack it all because I feel like we're both kind of kind of in a different place than when we started everything like 12 years ago. Yes. So, yeah. So for starters, I just want to know what was the very first thing you did this morning? Oh my gosh. So I know it's not considered ideal, but just to be honest, the first thing I do is check my phone. So <laughs> I check. Here's the thing. My phone is my primary baby monitor. So of course, that's the first thing I look at in the morning. And honestly, I look at my text messages and social. I don't go through like Slack and email yet because I feel like if something's really important, I will have seen it in text. Like mm. someone will have called or texted me. And then in terms of social, I just kind of want to see like what's going on in the world. It's a quiet moment that I take for myself. And yeah, that's the that's the first thing. I, I love the honesty of that because I do that too. And 
I've just been hearing these podcasts of women that I really look up to, and but their morning routine is like, I don't check my phone until I get my workout in, until I do my meditation, until I do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, oh, am I failing in life? But I love that you and I have the same protocol in the morning. A hundred percent. Like, I wish I could be that person, but, you know, like as a business owner, I feel like I have to check to make sure that things are not on fire. Like there are a lot of things that happen overnight. You know, we have an East Coast team, we have a London team. So it's important for me to see like what's going on. I don't know. That's just me. Yeah, totally. I love that. Okay. So you do a lot. I mean, you, as you mentioned, you are the co-founder and chief content officer of Who Out Where, and you also have your podcast, um, Second Life, and also who, what, where, right? With You have another podcast. So you have two podcasts and you guys launched, you guys just launched your who, what, where collection. So what does a typical day look like for you? So I know that folks say, oh, it depends on the day. And that always kind of feels like a cop out to me, but Also, it does truly depend on the day. Like I have this very sexy idea that I am going to have like these batch work days where I do all of my one-on-ones on on one day or I record all of my podcasts on another day and I do brainstorming and actual work on another day. But it doesn't actually happen like that. So we work pretty far ahead for the Second Life podcast, that schedule. uh, I mean, like we've done episodes – you know, two, three months in advance, we're pretty booked out. Um, But we also work with our guests' schedules. So that can be all over the place. Like we really try and be accommodating in that way. So I usually do one, sometimes two a week. And that's like an hour and a half of recording. And then I have intros and outros separately. The Who, What, Where podcast is more timely. So that one's not scheduled out as far ahead. Um, It's also a little bit shorter, so it's less time. So podcast stuff usually, and then we have like pitching and outreach. And I do a lot of that myself still, and we have strategy meetings. So there's a lot that goes behind all of that. And then we also have a ton of meetings around our new amazing line that's direct to consumer called Who, What, Where Collection. And I think, um, I mean, it's, it's so much fun. But it's also, again, very time consuming. I'm in so many meetings, like design meetings, marketing meetings, social and strategy meetings. So it's a really big project and it's super exciting. And I think it's one that we are uniquely prepared for. But it's also a lot of newness and a lot of learning this new customer. So that also takes up a fair amount of my day. And then there's my actual job, which is my day job, which is working as our chief content officer. So that means editorial, social, creative, copy, and the podcast team all report into me, plus the head of editorial for the UK, the editorial lead for our wellness site, The 30, um, our executive director of bookings for the company, and our content strategy lead. I also work really closely with our executive and senior leadership teams. So I have a ton of meetings with all of those folks as well. So it's just, you know, we just try and pack it all in. I've got a really tight schedule, but, you know, I love, I love our team. I love what I do. So even though it's chaotic in a way, I, I enjoy it a lot. Like I really, I really love it. So, oh my goodness, we never we never can complain that we're too busy now. I mean, after hearing your schedule and your responsibilities, that is so crazy, Hillary. I don't know how you do it all. I mean, but I feel like everyone has a ton of stuff to do. Like, if you mm. really sit down and think about 
everything that you do in a day for everyone. It's tremendous. So, and it also just varies a lot. And I feel really lucky though, because I also have this amazing team who do, who does so much of the heavy lift. Mm. So it's, you know, having those moments when I get down, get to sit down and write something or brainstorm ideas or do outreach or, you know, work on seeding for the collection, like all of that stuff is such a pleasure um, to have that real hands-on time. Because I think you, as you know, like the farther you go in your career, the less sort of hands-on you are in certain mm. ways. So then when you have those moments, when you get to actually like, get in the middle of everything, I think you appreciate it more. That's that's really incredible. And how long has Who What Wear been around for? We'll be 15 this October. Wow. And yeah. you guys were, and I'm sure everyone has heard of Who What Wear before, but for those people, because we have a lot of parents listening on to this podcast that might not be into fashion, can you share with us what Who What Wear is and kind of the beginning days of how it all started? Absolutely. So we are a content and commerce site. So from the beginning, we've always been about accessible fashion, explaining how to make it work for your body, for your budget, really helping teach people how to, you know, elevate their personal style, embrace their personal style, discover their personal style through using celebrity and influencer images um, to really tell those stories. My background is as an editor. I started my career as an editorial assistant at Elle magazine in the features department back in the day. So my business partner and I, when we started Who What Wear in 2006, we saw that print magazines were starting to fold at that point in time. And we found ourselves on the gossip sites, looking at sort of like those of the moment paparazzi pictures, pictures that never showed up in those print magazines. And we thought, wouldn't it be cool if we brought magazine sensibilities to a website to talk about fashion and style using these of the moment pictures, but not gossiping, just using it to talk about the fashion. And then we made everything shoppable, which in 2006 was a very unique proposition. No one was doing it. I mean, Vogue.com didn't even exist. So um, so that's how we started. And as time has gone on, I think we've really leaned into the shopping piece of it and the curation piece of it. We have an amazing editorial team and we deliver a lot of really incredible content to whowhatwhere.com every single day. So Incredible. And I love the story of how you started off in your, was it your kitchen or was it Catherine's <laughs> kitchen? So we started both. So we started at my place. We worked out of Catherine's apartment for a very long time. I mean, it was years before we got a proper workspace. Um, so it was very, very bootstrapped. It was just the two of us for the first, I think, two and a half years. She did all of the art and the layout. Um, I wrote all of the stories and uploaded everything. We, neither one of us came from a traditional business background or advertising and sales background. So we had to figure out how to monetize the site, how to run a business all by ourselves. That was a very interesting learning curve. But I, to me, it also was really exciting because it just goes to show that a lot of it is just common sense and it's easy to figure a lot of this stuff out. You just have to do it. You don't need a special degree or background in yeah. it. Like if you're passionate about the the main 
aspect of your business, which was fashion and style for us, you know, the rest of it will come along. So, and you'll figure it out. I mean, I think the hardest part in any business is just doing it and just yes, allowing yourself to just kind of be in the unknown and be okay with that. Because I mean, look at you and uh, Catherine now, right? You guys are running several companies. You guys are C-suite executives. You guys have this massive team. But just a few years ago, you guys were in your own like apartments, not knowing what to do. And you guys have built this literal empire. And I think Who What Wear is probably one of the only sites that have continued to evolve and that are still really kind of the go-to site for fashion um, and beauty. And so kudos to you guys. That is really, really incredible and inspiring. So the other day, my daughter, Chloe, asked me what my favorite memory as a kid was. And I showed her this little journal that I kept. Yes, my mom saved all of my journals. God bless her. As I was always kind of an introverted kid growing up, I would spend most of my days reading and journaling, and I actually still do. But one day, my teacher told me that I should enter a writing competition. I actually wasn't sure if it was for me, but I trusted her as she really pushed me. And guess what? I actually won the writing competition. I was never confident in my writing until I won this award. And thank God that my teacher actually saw this talent in me and gave me the confidence that I didn't even have to really push me to actually join this competition. Anyways, our childhood experiences impact who we are today, just like our investment in childhood education. I mean, come on, I started a blog 10 years ago, which was essentially all writing and journaling and taking photos of myself. So I guess all that journaling in the past kind of paid off. So why not gift your young innovators some super cool STEAM projects to nurture their curiosity and explore super cool STEAM projects to nurture the curiosity and exploration outside the classroom. I recently worked on a project from KiwiCo with Chloe and that was the arcade claw from the Kiwi Crate. It included all the materials that we needed to make our own arcade claw game with pom-pom prizes. How cool. From the claw guide to the bolts, to the connectors, to even the wrench. It had everything. The materials are all super high quality and the step-by-step instruction is easy to follow along. And honestly, the most memorable part of it all was the conversation and memories that we actually made while we were doing the project together. It was challenging enough where we had to focus and figure things out together, but at the end, her confidence level of being able to create something so dynamic was amazing to see. She just lit up and was so proud as she was showing it off to my parents and everyone around us, which kind of took me back to those days of writing and journaling for me as a kid and entering that competition. So far, we've done many crates from KiwiCo, but we already ordered more because we are so addicted and she just can't stop. And honestly, I can't either. The value of the boxes are also really, really amazing. It's really hard to find creative ways to keep the kids busy and screen free while stretching their brains, especially nowadays. So KiwiCo does a legwork for you so you can spend more quality time tackling projects together instead of trying to figure out what to do with your kid. Everything your child needs for their project is included in every crate so they can get started right away. Crates include one to two larger projects and two to three smaller projects and they're all tied together by an engaging theme and there's something for kids of all ages. And honestly, the best part of it all is watching their confidence grow as big as their smiles. Everything is shipped right to your door and there's no commitment so you can pause or cancel at any time. With KiwiCo, there's something for every kid 
every month. Get your first month free on select crates at kiwico.com slash bumo. That's K-I-W-I-C-O dot com slash bumo. Hey, it's Patrick Starr. I'm coming straight to you with my very own podcast. Say yes to the guest. I'll be hanging out with some of my fiercest friends and spilling some serious tea on business, beauty, and being a boss-ass bitch. With me, baby, you'll never know what will happen. Find yes to the guest on Apple Podcasts or anywhere where podcasts are played. Start streaming and downloading now. And don't forget to subscribe because every Monday we're going in. We got so much to chat about. So turn it up and say yes to the guest. Yes. 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 I want to know because, you know, I met you when you were building Who, What, Where. And, you know, we were all kind of single without kids. We obviously had a lot of time. We were babies. (laughs) We had time to explore. But at what point in your life were you like, I think I'm ready to have kids? Or were you ready to have kids? It's such an interesting question. So... To be honest, since I mean, I was honest, I told you I check my phone first thing in the morning, which is such a no no. The reality is, I didn't want kids. I didn't want kids at all until the moment I decided that I did. And I want to be thoughtful about how I answer this because I also know that it can be a really emotional and diff- difficult process for so many folks. And I have a little insight into the heartache that goes along with it via friends. But for me, I, I wasn't interested in having kids until I met my husband. And I think that's because I knew I wouldn't be a great parent all on my own. Mm. If it was all on me, that would have, I, that it was not for me. So I think that partially I saw that in my life, looking at my own family, looking at a lot of my friends around me, it seemed like the woman often shouldered the vast majority of child rearing. And Mm -hmm. I didn't think I had that in me. But with my husband, he is such an excellent partner and incredibly hands-on when it comes to parenting that, and I knew that having kids was something that he really cared about. And also we got married a little bit later in our lives. I mean, I was 37, he was 38. So a few months after our wedding, I decided, you know, I'm so data oriented um, (laughs) due to business. So I thought, you know, we should probably find out about our fertility. Like, let's just see what we're working with. I had been on, maybe this is too much information, but I had been on the pill for 20 years at that point, straight Mm. through, like continuously through. So we talked about it and then I decided to go off the pill just to see like, do I have a regular cycle? And then we were going to go and do like proper testing. And I got pregnant with our first kid six weeks later, which was surprising to put it mildly. Um, And then- with the second one, I, I think I told my husband that we were going again while they were still sewing me up after my emergency C-section. So this the first decision to have one kid happened in a very different way than the decision to have a second kid. Mm-hmm. That decision happened very quickly. <laughs> got it. Got it. So when, once you're in it, you're like, okay, we're in this. We might as well have a second. Which is wild to me yeah. because- you know, I think, and at that point, I had no idea what was in store for us, but I just knew that I wanted to do this again, that I wanted to have another kid. 
And to be frank, like, I wish I could have a third. I, I didn't have particularly easy third trimesters with either kid. So I just don't know that I feel like that's something I can put my body through again. But like in a different world, I would have three or four. So which is insane because I truly was that person who's like, I don't want kids. I'm not into it. Like it, no, I never envisioned myself with children. And then I just did this huge switch and I, it, it's the, it's the wildest thing to me. But I also, I think part of the reason I was so adamant about not having kids is I feel like there's so much pressure about it. And it was not something that I could control. Like I couldn't control a lot of the stuff around having kids. Like if I, if I decided that I wanted a partner, I, that's not something that's really in your control. I didn't want to hang my happiness on this thing that wasn't a given. So I think that's part of where some of my reluctance to even consider it came in, if, if yeah. that makes any sense. It makes a lot of sense. And this is a conversation that I hear more often than not, because I think our parents' generation, we have viewed parenting pretty much land majority on the mother, right? And the mother usually ends up quitting her job or her career so she can take on that responsibility, which makes sense back in the day because a lot of women didn't have choice back then. But now I think women and mothers, especially more than ever, they are like, no, once I become a mom, I still want to have the freedom and the choice and the ability to do the things that I want to do. And it's scary when you go into it, not knowing that many people that have kind of followed that road. But I think we're seeing that more and more, um, especially with Bumo. Um, when we when we go into the workspace at Century City, half of them are dads and half of them are moms. So half of the, the dads come in with their kids so they can be responsible for the kids. So the mom can, I don't know, like maybe have a day to herself at the house or wh- whatever it is, right? So it's really nice to see that. I think we still have a long ways to go, but it's equaling, it, it's leveling out a little bit better than what it used to be with the responsibility on the father as well. And they want to be active, active parents. That's what I'm realizing. And that's, I think, such the difference. You know, like I grew up in a pretty conservative household in San Diego. You know, I'm a military brat. And my parents tell a story about six days after my mom had me, like my dad went to a military conference, six Mm. days. (laughs) And, you know, his boss sent him home and was like, what are you doing here? Like your wife just had a baby, like you need to go home. But that was like, it was such a work first mentality, not family first. And I feel like my husband and I are just in a very different space. And that's not to say, not to denigrate my dad in any way. He's awesome. Like I love him. We have a great family, but you know, it was very clear that the number one priority for him was always his work and that family came second. And I, I just, that wasn't something I wanted to emulate. And also he traveled for work all the time. He was a pilot. So he was gone sometimes two or three weeks out of four. And all of that responsibility then fell on my mom. And seeing that, I was just like, I don't know about this. <laughs> you know what? Know. We actually have very similar stories because my dad traveled for work as well. And and everything landed on my mom as well. And my mom was pretty, she was a full-time mom, but I could tell she was exhausted and a little depressed. And not because she didn't like us, but she was just exhausted. She was on her own. So I was like, you, I was like, I don't know if I want this lifestyle. I don't know if I want to do, because that was my kind of upbringing. So I was like, oh, parenting is going to 
be like this, but no, it's not like that. <laughs> no, there there are other options. And I think a lot of that depends on the partner you pick. So, you know, making sure that your partner is is truly interested in being a hands-on parent, whatever that means, whatever your relationship is. Um, I think that's of paramount importance if you're like me and nervous about the process. Totally. I remember when you had Clark, I think it was like the earlier first few months, you posted a photo of, I think it was like your second morning <laughs> out of the hospital. <laughs> and you're like, I'm going with 60 hours without sleep. Yeah. And I just remember looking at that and being like, oh gosh, I do not miss those days because it's brutal. Right. But the funny, the sleep deprivation I mean, it's used as a form of torture, right? So, I mean, it is it is really a shock to the system. My goodness. But the funny thing is, as you mentioned earlier, you're like, but I still kind of want another one, a, yeah. a third. So it's almost like the woman, the woman's body, it almost kind of forgets how it felt in the moment because it the joy of it, of it, like overrides all of that. Well, so my best friend has been my best friend since I was in kindergarten and she's a professor at Vanderbilt's business school and she's brilliant. Like she went to Duke and Yale and Dr. Goldsmith. She's amazing. So she always talks about, I remember talking to her about this at one point and she reminded me like, you know, pregnancy, the newborn stage. It's such a tiny piece of the entire project. And the entire project is so rewarding that yes, like being pregnant is not always easy. Like it certainly was not easy for me on a number of levels. You know, those early days are insane and difficult. Like we didn't have help. So <laughs> it was particularly tiring and, you know, but you get through it. It's only a few months and then, you know, you start to figure it out again. So I, to me, I think really looking at that larger context of like, if the project is this big and this is just a little tiny piece of it. So like you can, I, f I also feel like you can get through anything if you know that there's an end date to it and you know, you're not going to be on a newborn <laughs> schedule forever. And like, that is the thing that got me through it. It's like, we only have a handful of months of this, like, and then it's going to be better. And then it's going to be better. And that was, that's always the carrot that gets me through. You could totally tell that you're a founder and a businesswoman <laughs> by, by calling it a project and like, and putting it into that perspective, it makes so much sense. So if we just viewed, you know, this project as something that we have to succeed and, you know, only suffer for a little teeny bit in the beginning, then it just, it's all good. Like yeah. at the end, it's worth it. So I love that. And here's the other part of this that I also feel like I need to be candid about. I am a terrible sleeper. Like this happened, like long before I had kids, I was not a great sleeper. I had insomnia. I would wake up a bunch. So it's not like I went from like having this glorious, perfect, peaceful sleep to this like broken, choppy sleep. First of all, I feel like your last trimester, you're up a whole bunch anyway. It's like your body's getting you ready for it. And I was bad at sleeping. So even though I was tired, I mean, it wasn't so, so wildly different than my norm. So I also feel like you know, I, for some people who are better sleepers, I'm sure it's a little bit more of a difficult adjustment. So, mm. so I have you ever, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for adding that in. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so have you ever felt 
burnt out at some point with all that you're doing. And then now you're mom of two, not just one, but two, and you're running all of these companies and new projects are popping up left and right for you guys. Have you ever experienced burnout as a mom? I mean, I think I experienced burnout as a human. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily as much mom related because to be honest, you know, my husband is really hands-on. We are lucky enough to have in-house childcare. We have a nanny. Uh, we have, my parents live close by. My sister-in-law is in Northern California, but still is close by. You know, like we have support there. So I don't feel like the mom piece of it is as much burnout for me. Work can be overwhelming. And, you know, the pandemic and what's going on in the world around us is definitely overwhelming. But I don't necessarily feel mom burnout at this exact moment. I think I also have a little bit of a different perspective because Clark was born early and we were in the hospital with him in the beginning of his life. So having seen that, having understanding that this is that health and happy kids are not a given has reframed all of this for me in a way that I don't I don't know if I would have that perspective. I'd like to think I would be enlightened enough to have that perspective without our exact history, but I I don't know if that would be the case. And I also think, you know, because of the pandemic and everyone working from home, like I've been able to be with my kids so much more because I've been lucky enough to work from home, you know, for the last 18 months. And I mean, it's just a joy. Like I realized how much I missed with Clark because I was going into the office. And so, and I know that like, I'm never going to get this time back. I will never have this much time with my kids again. This is such like the, the, I mean, it's so horrible what's going on, but it's also a gift for me to be able to spend this much time with them. So I'm trying, I try and, and frame, frame it like that if I ever feel like things are getting a little bit hard. So the combination of those two things, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I get totally frustrated and overwhelmed by my kids all the time, but, (laughs) but in terms of true burnout, um, that hasn't necessarily happened to me so far. How about working mom guilt? Because you work so much. Do you experience (laughs) that? I think guilt is a wasted emotion. I don't believe in guilt. I think that if you do something and it makes you feel guilty, don't, do it. And also, I mean, I'm admitting like that is coming from a place of privilege. Obviously, there are a lot of people who don't have choices about as many things as I do, just given the nature of my work. But the only thing that has really made me feel guilty is when I had to travel for work while I was still breastfeeding. That was, I breastfed for almost a year with both of them. And traveling during that time was extraordinarily painful for me. My brain and my body just kept telling me I should not be doing that. It just, yeah. it was, it was painful. So that part was hard for me, but generally speaking, like, I think I'm a better parent because I have interests outside of my kids. I think I'm a better parent because I can have this outside life I have these other interests. I do these other things. And then when I'm with my kids, I can be fully present. And so I don't feel guilty about working. I mean, also like my work makes me happy. So I bring that then to my interactions with my kids. So I try and stay away from that. I mean, like every parent does. Uh, I'm like, I always like there's 
I can give you a million examples of times I felt like I failed my kids in some way and, <laughs> and feel guilty about it. But I try not to dwell on that piece of it just because like life is short and like why torture yourself with stuff that you can't control? Yeah. I, I've i had to like really shift my mindset um, recently with kind of how I viewed work and everything in my life because I used to always tell myself, oh, today I have to do this. I have to do that. But I like, lately, I get to, I get to, yes, I, I get to work. I get to record a podcast. I get to, you know, go out there and do these meetings. And so that little shift in my mind has helped a lot because the amount of people out there that don't have these opportunities, right? Like you just have to remind yourself sometimes and then it puts things into perspective. Like, oh, why Why would I feel guilty about working as, as a mother? I get to work. I get to provide for my family. I get to do something that I love. And even if you don't, if it's not something that you necessarily love, you know, you just have to change how you view certain things. And that's helped me a lot because I, I experienced guilt a lot in the beginning, especially with traveling as well. And, you know, at the same time, I also try and remind myself that like kids are resilient. They will thrive. They know that they're loved, like they're in a stable environment. Those are all really important things. So can you share with us on a given day, because you do so much, my, my mind is still stuck there as far as like what you told me that you do in a given day with all your responsibilities. <laughs> I would love to know, do you have like a million different apps to organize things? Like how do you get everything done? Like do you do to-do lists? Do you write everything down? Do you use Google Calendar? I, I want to know because I feel like I struggle in this area because I have a lot of things to get done in a given day as well. But sometimes I feel like a lot of things fall through the crack. So yeah. I would love to know how you organize your day. So I love this question because I'm a Virgo and scheduling is basically like my love language. So <laughs> I I use a lot of things. Yes, Google Calendar for sure. I also start off by, I don't put the pressure on myself that I have to get everything done. I have let go of that. I'm like, it's not all gonna get done. And it will be fine. And anything that's truly important bubbles to the top. And that's okay. That said, I love a list. Evernote is my go-to app. I use it all the time. I have, you know, like I have it on my laptop. I have it on my desktop at work. I have it on my phone. I love having one place where I can keep everything going of like what that grocery list is, what that to-do list is. I also, I'm a competitive gift giver. So I have a file in my Evernote that for all of my people who, I, anyone who I would give a present to, I have files on them and I write in like when they mention something about like in passing that they like or that they need or whatever so that I, it's all in one place. Oh my so gosh, So that then Hillary. when it's like an anniversary or a birthday or a holiday, like I have all of this data that I've collected on them and then gift giving is easy because I'm not stumped. Like, what do I get them? Like, oh, well, six months ago, they mentioned that, you know, they would really love a Apple watch. So, you know, thinking through some of that stuff or like there was a book that they are really interested in. So that is um, so smart because gift giving, I feel like time that consuming. is very time consuming <laughs> and it's stressful because you want to give a good gift and you want to make sure that it's something that they use and that they want. And it's, it's waste, wasting time, in my opinion, because you're just trying to figure it out. And usually, you I mean, I receive gifts a lot, that I things that I don't really want or need. Um, so that is really, really smart that you do that. I'm going to start doing that. 
I also will like make notes about, I think a really good sort of, if you're not sure what to give someone, I like an elevation of one of their everyday basics. So like upgrade their white t-shirt or, you know, upgrade their sneakers or whatever that is. So I also take notes on all of that. Like if I've noticed, oh, you know, like my husband could use some new striped t-shirts or like whatever it may be. And then I've just been slowly going through his wardrobe over the time we've been together and just giving him nicer versions of the things that he already owns. Um, but I also, I use uh, Google calendars to really do everything. I schedule present buying a month in advance I so that I know, so that I'm not rushed at the last second. It doesn't always work out, but at least it's sort of pings me to realize like, oh, you know, my mom's birthday is coming up. I should start thinking about that. I schedule in appointments. I schedule in work time. I schedule everything and then also have my running to-do list. And then, you know, like some of it just doesn't happen. I have sort of need to do on a daily basis. I have the weekly version of that. I have the monthly version of that. And I have a yearly version of that. And some of the stuff never moves. And that's also okay. But at least like I'm one of those people that I have to write it down to get it out of my head. And if it's written down, then I'm almost more likely to do it because then my brain's just not like wheeling around thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm super list oriented. (laughs) And do you write it down in Evernote? Often in Evernote. That's in between Evernote and Google Calendar. That's like pretty much where everything lives. I'm going to have to re-download Evernote. I I feel like I'm on and off with Evernote, but... I I don't know why I like it so much. It just really has been the thing that works for me. It's on the homepage of my phone. It's just all of my like easy information is there. I, you know, I, it's, everyone has a different app that works for them for whatever reason. That's just the fact that everything syncs. I put recipes in there. Like it's just been sort of my go-to spot. And then how about for family stuff? Do you, is that more kind of talking with the family or do you also have lists with Google Calendar? Google Calendar, okay. Yeah, like I have one for work and then I have a different color for anything in our shared calendar for me and my husband. And that has all of the kids stuff in it too. So, but also, I mean, my kids are little, so they don't have a ton of stuff yet, but you know, like doctor's appointments and stuff like that. I feel like the true calendaring has yet to affect us because- you know, they're three and one at this exact moment. So, but it's out there. It's out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, once they start school, I guess it kind of changes it all. Yeah. Like we don't, and also it's COVID. So it's not like no one has, no one has anywhere to be at this exact moment, which means less scheduling, which is nice. Yeah, exactly. So this kind of is, I guess, related to this question that we just talked about, but do you have any other kind of tips, tricks, or hacks that has helped you get things done. For example, like for me, I put my phone on airplane mode um, when I have to really focus in on things. I don't want to get any alerts because once I start getting alerts, um, my mind drifts off a lot. So I do the airplane mode thing a lot, but do you have anything like that that you do? So I moved TikTok and Instagram off of my home screen. (gasps) Something as simple as that could make a big difference. It's wild because it's just like you open your phone and I have to be on my phone for like I Slack is my number one app, right? So I'm always on my phone anyway, but just moving that I'm not as tempted. Like anything fun is not on my home screen. I love that. I'm going to do that today, actually. Yeah, it's but I have to say, like, I feel lucky because I think that I'm not always the most effective or efficient person, but I really am strict about doing work during work hours 
and getting stuff done because I don't want to do it at night. Like I want to be with my kids. A lot of people will work and then take a break to be with their kids and then go back to work. Like I don't want to do that. I am tired at that point. I want to watch Love Island UK or like whatever (laughs) it is I'm obsessed with at that moment. I don't want to work after hours. Obviously things come up. But so I really like I try to knock it all out during my work hours. And then so that that way I can really like be present and turn off and have some balance. Like I have a really strict protocol about not emailing or slacking or texting anyone from my team during off hours or on the weekend. Like I, I just feel like people need space. And I don't know about you, but working from home has made that more difficult. I feel like we're always kind of on. We don't have the ritual of like coming and going that I used to have. You know, I used to have my commute to sort of wind down or listen to a podcast or talk to a friend. I don't have any. Now my commute is to the kitchen to make the kids dinner. (laughs) Um, Not exactly the same. So I feel like being really knowing, okay, this is the only time you have to get stuff done will make me focus because I know that come kids dinner, like all bets are off. (laughs) I mean, this is exactly the next question, which is, do you have any boundaries as a working parent for yourself? And I'm assuming that that is probably one of your boundaries is like not working after hours. Yeah. I try to be really firm about that. Obviously in this social media world that can't happen. And my team knows that if like something's on fire, text me, I am available to you. If you need me, absolutely. I am there, but I'm not going to be on my phone or I'm going, I'm going to try to not be on my phone after office hours. I'm just not. So I don't expect that from them. I don't want that from them. I want them to have lives. I think that people are happier when they have full lives outside of work. Like, how can you bring anything to your job if all you do is work? You need to refill that well of creativity and through self-care, through just time off doing whatever it is. And I want that for myself too. I know that is not something that people generally admit, but like I need downtime. So I try and be protective of that. So, And I think that's great as a founder um, and as a C-suite executive of your own company, you can model that yourself because I think it's really important that the leaders are actually implementing that in their own lives versus just preaching it because there's so many companies out there that are now having to say, yes, you know, we believe in work-life balance, but then you still get that email from them at like 3 a.m. or 2 a.m. And so then you're like, wait, but so what, what is the company culture? Then what, what example are you setting? And so I like that, that you need it for yourself and you're actually showing your team what healthy boundaries look like. And that's incredible. I think that is a, a gift as a leader that you can give your team. I appreciate that. I mean, I, I also, I mean, it's partially why I took parental leave when I had my kids. Like I thought it was really important to say, we have this amazing parental leave policy for our entire team. You need to take it. I am going to take it. Did I take it perfectly? No, but at least people knew. Like I wanted to continue to signal to the team, like, these are priorities. This is important. You should take it. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. It doesn't matter if you're giving birth or adopting or a surrogate. Like, Take the time. That's incredible. Do you have any other boundaries? Like, I don't know, date nights with hubby or, (laughs) you know, uh, 
self-care Sunday, like things that you regularly do? I feel like those are all things that are on the horizon. But again, like, you know, Wilder's almost two. Clark will be four in October. We've just been so in the thick of it. And, you know, we've been basically housebound since last March. So like any of these things, I like I think they're going to be out there, but they're just not part of our lives quite yet. And I also feel like that's OK. Like there's a season for everything. This is not a super, you know, self-centered season right now. <laughs> this is a season that has been much more about the kids and parenting and then, you know, like watching Ted Lasso when we can. So. Oh, I I do think like I look forward to them being a little bit older. I look forward to people getting vaccinated, us getting this pandemic under control and being able to go out and about. But at this exact moment, I don't have a ton of that. And again, like looking at the the group project of it all, I also realize like this isn't forever. And Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. somehow makes it a little bit easier, I think, because if you just have one, like you still remember what your life was like before kids. And (laughs) I had longing for that life in a way that I don't right now because it's just so full on that, you know, I'm just trying to keep my head above water. And, you know, at some point there will be time for self-care and date nights. It just doesn't happen to be at this exact moment. So, I mean, we figure it out in smaller ways, but we don't have any like great traditions. I just feel like, I feel like once we're out of like the, the insanity of little, little kids that will start coming back into play. After phase two of the project, yeah, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we just got to get to launch and by launch, I mean, yeah. get them to school. <laughs> and like once we're in, we're in a moment, like when they're both in school, I feel like that will start to you know, lighten things up a little bit. (laughs) Love that. Love that. (laughs) Okay. What is the best parenting advice that you've ever received from somebody? Just that if you are happy, they will be happy. And I I don't know that I think that's a hundred percent true, but I really do think that there is something to be said for putting on your oxygen mask first, like taking care of yourself, getting sleep, getting exercise, eating well, if you can, managing stress. Like I try and do all of those things so that I can really show up for my kids. I know that I am a better boss, a better wife, a better friend, and definitely a better mom when I'm taking care of myself. So I try and do that. And that is a very self-centered thing to say about parenting, but that has been something that has worked for me. So I think that has been the number one thing. And also just like to stay in my own lane. It can be really hard. Comparison happens and you can get caught up in it. Is my kid hitting this milestone? This kid's doing that. Why are they parenting this way? Should I be parenting this way? So like really taking the time to focus in on like, this is what's working for our family. This is who we are. This is who my kids are. Like just focus on that and let the rest of the noise kind of go by you. Yeah, that's really important because I mean, especially on social media, I feel like it can become a little toxic if you are in that mindset of, oh, well, they did this and she did that and they look so happy and why am I still here? And I actually had to check out of social media kind of early on when I had uh, my very first Chloe because I was in that mindset and I just didn't know how to stop comparing myself. So that is very, very important to to stay in your own lane. I love that advice. Yeah. I just, you know, 
it's hard. And that's the thing is, you know this, and I know this, that social media is somewhat of a lie. It's even when people are being real, it's still curated real. So trying to remember that like, yes, that that family looks so happy on vacation. And why am I not on vacation? Why do vacations stress me out? Why do I not want to take my kids on vacation? Like that feeling where I'm like, it's okay. Like, by the way, I remember the last time we took our kids somewhere, the amount of packing that had to happen and blah, blah, blah. Like, yes, that picture looks great, but there's also a lot of nonsense. And that kid probably just had a meltdown and that kid's annoyed and that parent doesn't want to be there. And like, don't worry about it. Like, just do your own thing when you feel like it and it's going to be fine. (laughs) I I think you posted something about like you you guys had a family photo, but it wasn't exactly what you planned or something like that. And it was just like, it was was chaos. So it was chaos, but I love that. My husband had been nominated for a Grammy um, for a soundtrack, the soundtrack he produced for the film, Bill and Ted face the music. Like, and we had like, we got dressed up and, you know, the ceremony is just from over Zoom, but I got the kids dressed up. I thought it was going to be so cute. And like, they wanted nothing to do with it. <laughs> like Clark insisted on wearing purple and pink rain boots that had nothing to do with his outfit. My daughter Wilder was just being like a terrorist. And it was like, the photo is an absolute disaster. But I love it because it's also just like, this is what we got. This was our cute photo and our cute outfits. Like, you know, Wilder is losing her mind and Clark is refusing to look at the camera and like none of it is perfect, but it's perfect in its own really silly way. I mean, I wish I could see more of that kind of content online because <laughs> one, it makes it, it it just summarizes parenting in the most real and authentic way. <laughs> And two, I think everyone has experienced that at some point. I mean, God, I cannot, like, I told my actually, my team that I cannot do any more partnerships with brands for my kids because (laughs) they literally set it on fire. (laughs) Yeah. They will not participate, especially because I mainly focus on fashion. And so a lot of the fashion partners for the kids as well end up being like things that they have to wear. And I cannot get the kids to wear anything that I want them to wear. So I was like, you guys, I'm sorry, but no more no more partnerships for kids because it's gotten to a point where I don't even want to fight with them anymore. No. Like I just, I, they're just, let them be. And I'll just model the clothes. It's all good. I know. Um, it's like trying to put my daughter in something she doesn't want to wear is like trying to put a cat in doll clothes. Like they're just like... <laughs> And then she's just looking at me and she's Ms. And like my son is unhappy and everyone's fussy. And you're just like, ugh, this is, this is, there's no, I love parents who can get it all together and take that really cute holiday photo or whatever. We're just not that. And that is okay. There is room for all of us. Like we all, you just have to give yourself grace. (laughs) If that's something that's super important to you, great. Like figure it out. It's just not where I personally want to spend my time and energy, but like, great if you do. It's just, it's just not who we are. <laughs> and I have, I have, I've released that expectation for myself and for my children. <laughs> You've given up in that area. Totally. It's all good. We can't do it all. <laughs> no, I'm like, whatever. I'll get a good selfie with her at some point. It'll be fine. Or like, you know, Clark will take his own pictures that are super cute. It's like, it's, it's not the thing that you dreamed of, but it's lovely in its own way. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so last question. Is there anything we can expect from you or who, what, where in the future? I know that you guys just launched the collection, by the way. That's all I've been wearing this past week. It is such a beautiful collection and so well-priced and the quality is incredible. Yay. So congratulations on that. Thank you. So are there any new launches or things that we should be in the know of? Well, I mean, collection has new drops every month. So we have a lot of newness coming up there. I was just looking at sort of our end of year and holiday stuff, which is amazing. I'm so excited for what's to come with Who What Wear Collection, just getting a chance to really make something for our core audience, our really fashion lover girl at this accessible price point is just a dream and so much fun. So I would really just, you know, go to whowhatwearcollection.com and see what we're doing there. And then eventually, at some point, I would really like to take the podcast on the road and do live shows for both Second Life and the Who What Wear podcast. But, you know, I, I think we're still a little bit out from that. So I think I'm going to start working on a Second Life book. I've had the chance to interview so many incredible women over the last three years. And I think it would just be really nice to have all 300 hours of that podcast, like all of the best insights in a book. So that's my own personal project that I need to start working on. I love that. I mean, that is so, so smart and it, it feels like a natural organic next step. Um, so for those of you that are listening, I personally think that Hillary's podcast, Second Life, is probably one of the best podcasts on the podcast sphere. Um, so you guys definitely have to check that out. And um, for any fashion lovers, right? For It's called Who, What, Where with Hillary Kerr, that podcast. So thank you so much, Hillary. Where can people find you? I am on Instagram and all of the things at Hillary Kerr. You can see all of the work that we're doing at Who, What, Where and at Who, What, Where Collection. And then on wherever you listen to podcasts, we have Second Life and Who, What, Where with Hillary Kerr. So pretty much everywhere. Awesome. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Have a great, wonderful rest of your day. This was such a pleasure. You thank you so Yay. much for having me. It's so wild to be on the other side of questions. I'm, I, I'm not a great interview, generally speaking. Um, I like to ask the questions. So this was very oh, no, this scary. Was fun. And I, I feel like I could it. talk to you forever. So <laughs> you are incredible. Oh, this was so fun. <laughs> I loved it. Thank you so much. This thank was you, just Hillary. such a delight. Okay, bye. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and it would mean the world to me if you took a second to rate, review, and follow. It really is the best way to support the show and don't forget to head over to our Instagram for more parenting tips and inspiration at Bumo Parent. And if you guys are looking for high quality virtual education for your little ones ages one through seven years old, make sure to check out at Bumo Brain on Instagram or go to www.bumobrain.com. We have a wide range of topics that your little ones will surely get so excited about from Dr. Kid to Chef Math to our foreign language program. We have all sorts of languages. Forbes called Bumo Brain the classroom of the future and it really is the best platform for early learners. Go to www.bumobrain.com to learn more.